We should be live now, ready to go for our Tuesday live stream. I'm Mike Winger, and this is the Tuesday live stream, a discussion of apologetics and theology. In fact, today we're focused more on the apologetics side of things. Let me tell you what we're about to do, and you can uh, you can jump in with me. With your eyes open, your ears open, with your brains turned on, we are about to get apologetical, unapologetically. <clears throat> um, what we're going to do today <clears throat> is something I've been wanting to do for a while. Um, I've been tackling lots of different issues on the Tuesday live stream, but today I want to tackle the issue of um, not just atheism in general, but specifically some of the more popular scoffing atheistic things that we see commonly. Those of us who witness regularly online, we know exactly what this is because let's face it, the truth is as Christians, we cannot win against the atheists. You can't. You can't win against them when the contest is who can scoff better or who can mock better. Mocking and scoffing is not a good way of finding truth. That's kind of the emphasis and focus I have today. I'm asking people to calmly and thoughtfully think through these issues. And what we're going to do is we're going to take a case in point, which is a guy named Ricky Gervais. <clears throat> Ricky Gervais is a, um, a very well-known comedian. He does a lot of different uh, shows and movies and stuff like that. And he has a lot of videos online, a bunch of videos where he's mocking and refuting religion and belief in God in general. But the interesting thing about Ricky Gervais is... It, not, nothing he shares is original. It's all like a composite of every sort of scoffing atheistic claim that you may have heard over the past 30 years. It's all kind of present in him. So he's obviously read those guys. He's watched those debates and he's brought that information into his own makeup. And now he's bringing that on the road when he goes and he talks about those issues. So we're going to play video clips from Ricky Gervais. And then we're going to pause and try to think it through and try to rationally understand it. I try to labor to play everything he does, uh, take everything he does and do it in context. I don't want to misrepresent him. I see no benefit in misrepresenting people. If I ever do that, it's certainly on accident and I certainly would want to know about it. Um, so this is Ricky Gervais, kind of the composite representative of modern scoffing atheism. Not all atheists are represented by this particular guy. But not all atheists are represented by anybody, right? This, however, is popular level atheism. Pop atheism, you might call it. <clears throat> Being that it, it actually has the strongest impact on people. Most people who are persuaded to be atheists, especially teenagers, especially junior high students, they're persuaded by this content. You know, new college students who get a hold of this stuff, they go, yeah. And then now, you know, they're leading atheist, at least for, for a season. Uh, oftentimes it doesn't last. <clears throat> so... Um, here's what we'll do. We'll play the clips, we'll analyze them thoughtfully, and we'll try to um, get to your questions at the end of the live stream. So if you want to be asking me questions that I will respond to, put them in the live chat on YouTube. If you're watching on Facebook, I'm sorry, you'll have to go to YouTube if you want to get me these questions, uh, but you can, you, you're welcome to just watch. Um, and what will happen is throughout the course of this live stream, AJ Bernard, he's in the, he's in the live chat. He's going to grab your questions and he's going to send them over to me telepathically with his magical skills or through a messaging app. And I will answer those questions at the end of the stream. So let's just jump straight into it. This is uh, the first video um, from Ricky Gervais, and it's a short clip. Listen thoughtfully and carefully to what he says. I think um, religion's greatest trick wasn't convincing some people that there was a God who was all powerful. Um, it was convincing everyone else that 
you couldn't ridicule that idea. Okay, religion's greatest trick. Um, obviously, that's pretty clickbaity, right? <laughs> what is religion's greatest trick? Um, there's a few things I want to point out, and because I think this content that he's got here is pretty consistent, right? One thing, one one issue I have is that we're treating religion as an entity. Religion's not an entity. Religion um, is not is not like a, a this one thing that sort of is out there doing things and acting in the world. That's not what it is. Religion's a category, right? Now, now we started this. The Christians, I think, started this problem. Especially back in the 60s and the 70s, there was this big Jesus movement, and they said, I'm not you know, religious, I'm spiritual, or I don't have religion, I have relationship. The truth is, you have religion. <laughs> you, you have religion. Religion is not this big boogeyman that's out there influencing the world. Um, so what is religion exactly? Um, religion is the belief in and worship of a superhuman controlling power, especially a personal god or gods. This is just dictionary, uh, you know, Google's dictionary that pops up when you search these terms. That's a clumsy definition, but still, you get the idea. It's not something that's acting in the world. It's just religion's just, you know, a category of things. Um, it's a particular system of faith and worship, or a term we're not using it as is a pursuit or interest to which someone ascribes supreme importance. Um, that's more not the term we're referring to. So, uh, so he goes. Religion's greatest trick was convincing people that he that that you can't ridicule it. Um, that is incredibly revealing. Now, if you're if you're an atheist and watching this, I, I ask you to just patiently hear me out. Just try to at least understand my points um, and maybe put a pause on the scoffing for a moment. If that's you, if you don't scoff, that's not you're not that kind of atheist, then you probably appreciate that too. <laughs> you're probably irritated by that kind of scoffing as well. Um, so I don't know what is supposed to be meant by this idea that you can't ridicule religion or that religion puts out the idea that you can't ridicule religion. But I think that it's revealing because this kind of atheism, pop atheism, I'll call it, this type of atheism needs ridicule. Ridicule is the alpha and omega of modern pop atheism. It has to have ridicule because ridicule is a rhetorical technique of manipulating people into agreeing with you or, or disagreeing with someone else more likely. Political parties do this all the time. Like if you watch in, in America here, you watch the debates on, say, gun control between the two sides. They never represent each other, you know, thoughtfully or carefully. They, they never, I mean, rarely do they go, hmm, let me accurately understand you. Let me think through this argument. Let me represent you correctly. Like this is never the goal. The goal is, is just to manipulate the audience into following one side by ridiculing the other. That's oftentimes what happens. But anti-God groups do this all the time. Atheist, atheism does this quite a lot, this ridicule thing. If you if you watch, like me, I love watching debates, okay? Shoot me if, if you, well, don't shoot me, please. But, but if uh, if you go watch these debates, you know, like you go see Christopher Hitchens. Uh, people love Christopher Hitchens. Atheists love this guy. He's like a superhero to them, right? Because he was nonstop mockery, ridicule, sarcasm, and scoffing. And that would be across the debate. If he had a question he was asked, he didn't know how to answer, his retort would be to mock or to scoff or to ridicule. Um, this is a problem. Proverbs 14.6 puts it this way. It says, a scoffer seeks wisdom and does not find it. Think about this. A scoffer seeks wisdom and does not find it. But knowledge is easy to him who understands. See, scoffing in and of itself, ridicule is not a way of finding truth. Let me, let me say that again because I think it's profound and important. Ridicule is not a method of finding truth. And as long as you think it is, you will seek wisdom and not find it like Proverbs says. 
think about it this way. Let's say that you're the atheist and you've, you've taken the time out of your day to actually listen to this video, which I'm, I'm grateful for. Um, here's my question for you, hypothetical atheist person. If there was a religion that was true, you'd probably scoffing at that one too, wouldn't you? I mean, think about this. Just consider it for a second. If there was a true religion out there and you encountered this religion, would you not take advantage of the opportunity to scoff and mock and ridicule it? Wouldn't that just naturally come off of you? It would, it would sort of shield you against being able to take the claims of that religion seriously. It would guard you against having to reason through thoughtfully possible evidences or support they have for why they believe what they believe. So I have a challenge for atheists. My challenge for atheists is this. When you're dealing with the topic of, of God's existence, uh, Jesus's resurrection, the evidence for the Bible, that sort of thing, no sarcasm, no self-righteous posturing allowed. I think if you watch a debate between a Christian and an atheist, you will see that the vast majority of the stuff that comes off the atheist side is sarcasm and self-righteous posturing. And if you just take those two things away, that kind of mockery and scoffing, it has a very different effect on you. And you can maybe see clearly enough to at least weigh the evidence thoughtfully. So I know some will be offended by what I'm saying here, but I believe it's true. And I'm only saying it to be helpful. So here's another video. This video is just meant to demonstrate uh, the type of scoffing and mockery that comes off of, uh, of Ricky Gervais. Because remember, his, his big important pillar is we need to ridicule uh, religion. So here he goes. This is guaranteed. Right, we know this right, is here. Right. Let's make the most of this. Then it doesn't matter. But you're because supposed you won't to know. sacrifice the mortal pleasures in order to Because show some that weird guy a few thousand years ago said so. Right. Some little weird desert dweller uh -huh. who hated gays, women, right, and wanted power and was angry because he lived in the desert and could only beat himself stupid every night. <laughs> wanted to make everyone pay right and he wanted a piece of it you know it, it, this, it's this it's so obvious the bible was written by men yes, seizing power. yes, yes, yes. it's like it's, you know, it's it's ludicrous i mean it really it's, it's is, seems laughable it's ludicrous it's laughable it's so obvious um obviously i disagree <laughs> but but that's all it takes. It just takes from that from that side of things. I don't have to establish these claims. I, it's just like hearing each other say such horrible things about the Bible, about God, or about religion. It's such a reinforcing effect upon the others in the room, and it, it's a it's a juvenile level of reinforcing. It's that's what. It, but that's the point. This kind of rhetorical scoffing and attacking. Um, you know, it's, it's obvious to them. I, I understand. I've, I studied the Bible for thousands and thousands and thousands of hours. I've studied the Bible. I may, and obviously someone will think I have blinders on, but it shouldn't be that hard to open my eyes to see that it was just written to abuse people and control them. I'm like looking at it. I'm going, okay. Like, I mean, you know, Paul, the apostle, like he, he could have tried to control people, but, but he didn't even try to. In fact, when it comes to the world, he says he has no right to control the world or tell the world what to do. That's interesting. Hmm. He encourages people. He says he doesn't want to give them orders as, as in his place as an apostle. He just wants to encourage them to walk in love. Like that doesn't sound like, you know, the kind of stuff I see coming out of control groups and control religions like the watchtower, you know, the Jehovah's witness group. I don't see that. The, the Bible doesn't fit that at all. You know, I mean, Moses, it, he gave up his, his spot in Pharaoh's household to go around in the wilderness. I mean, in the, his illustration is, I think, of Moses in the desert, right? Well, Moses was in the desert because he didn't accept that right high place he had, and he decided to give it up to have a bunch of rabble follow him off into the desert. That See, this just doesn't fit 
the the rhetorical scoffing that they have, but there's no thoughtful consideration of the scoffing claims. That's the problem. There's it's just scoff after scoff. Um, now this doesn't it bothers me, but it doesn't hurt me. What it hurts is the person who falls for it. It hurts the person who believes those sorts of scoffing things. So what should we do with religion? Um, obviously, there's lots of religious claims out there. We, we, we shouldn't scoff and ridicule them. We're not going to discover which one's right or wrong by mocking. What we should do is we should test those claims. Now, this is, this is what I do. I try to test those claims. The specific claim he mentioned in that video was the existence of an all-powerful being, a god. So I think that we have philosophical arguments for God. You know, we, we have, uh, we'll get to this later. The, the, uh, what's the reason for something existing rather than nothing. As you really track that down, that becomes a very powerful, I believe, uh, reason to believe in God. We have the, um, uh, Kalam, uh, cosmological argument, which I think is really, uh, now, now here's the thing. Some of you, some of you atheists or skeptics out there, you know, this argument, the Kalam respond to it without mocking respond to it with just reason and logic alone. And let's have a conversation. Um, there's also the argument from fulfilled prophecy, one of my favorite, which I, I have videos on online, and you're welcome to, to answer those. I can hardly get an atheist to respond to my videos on prophecy, which would be evidence that a supernatural creator being communicated to us through the Bible, which is pretty important. I've got uh, 10 videos on prophecy uh, in my evidence for the Bible playlist on YouTube. I recommend checking it out. And if you want to tackle one of those videos, pick a prophecy and let's let's go head to head on it. Let's discuss it rationally. That seems like a good way to test if these beliefs are true. We have a belief in God is properly basic. Alvin Plantinga talks about that, a well-known philosopher. The argument from design, um, the argument from the existence of personhood or free will. Um, and God tells us to test things. So test all things, hold fast what is good. This is where the conversation should be. Not ridicule, but testing and saying, hey, is there really reason to believe in God? I think that's a great question to ask. And, um, and as I asked it in my own life, when I went through kind of like resetting my beliefs and going, can I really verify everything that I believe? Um, I was, I was well convinced by the evidence. So let's, uh, let's go to another clip where Ricky's going to talk about in his mind, what causes religion. And this kind of scares me to be honest, he, his plan on how you can fix the problem of belief in God. Now, this is not something only he says. I've heard lots of atheists and skeptics say this. Um, Bill Nye has implied the same sort of thing. Listen carefully to this. It's when you get them. I think there'd be more atheists and less faithful if you weren't allowed to teach anything. You weren't allowed to mention any gods or any beliefs or atheism, right, until they were 20. I think we'd see a different pattern. He thinks we'd see a different pattern if we could do what? Let's just take him at his word. No one's allowed to even mention to humans. Humans cannot hear about God or beliefs or atheism until they're 20 years old. There's two issues with this. For one, um, it's just the issue of, of freedom. You know, here we, we, we have to, the only way to enforce this is to have a government that controls the thoughts and speech of all the people in its community so that they cannot speak about God until someone's 20 years or older. But there's something else here. And that's kind of the, the, the utter lack of self-awareness where he doesn't realize that when you teach someone for 20 years, that there's a, there's, there's, you know, trees and flowers and birds and bees, there's, there's planets and stars and there's quasars and there's black holes and there's a universe. All these things are out here, you know, gravity and laws of physics, all this stuff is going on. 
but there, there's never a mention of God, which means whenever you answer the question, where did it come from? How did it get here? Why is it that way? You always have to answer nature. That is atheism. This is the lack of self-awareness on, on Ricky's part. It's like, he says, and I'll quote, if we weren't allowed to mention any God or any beliefs or atheism for 20 years, but that is atheism. Atheism is, is simply everything exists the way it is without God. That's, that's teaching atheism. This is institutionalized atheism with, without even the admission that that's what it is. And that's what, that's what bothers me. Like you can't actually get on the fence on this issue. If you're going to sit down with students and you're going to teach them about the nature of reality and you pretend to be unbiased, but you do not allow discussion of there being a God, well then that's atheism. That's just, and what's worse is that it's forced. That, that concerns me on a different level because I don't want there to be anybody forcing um, religious indoctrination or religious de-indoctrination upon the populace. I think that this is a bad thing. So that's kind of weird. That's the plan for culture. Um, but I find that a lot of atheists, not all, but pop atheists, absolutely, they're very confused on what atheism actually is. And so here's a, here's a quick video where he's going to talk about what atheism is is Um, I feel like we're getting like a look behind the scenes, you know, like what's going on inside the mind <clears throat> of this particular individual. And, um, I, you know, I, I'm not here to attack Ricky Gervais. In fact, it grieves my heart that he might see this and think it's a personal assault on him. I'm trying to deal with his ideas. I don't like attacking people, but I definitely want to attack ideas. If ideas are bad and dangerous or hurtful or harmful or just not true and they're influencing people, then I certainly have a uh, right to speak about those things. And to try to do so graciously. Um, but what does he say? He says, well, we're all born atheists. We're all born atheists. Like, well, what is atheism to you then? Atheism to them, it's lack of belief. That's all it is. I just, I just don't happen to believe in God. I'm an atheist. By that definition, we're born atheists. By that definition, we're all atheists at birth, even though at birth we think nothing. Every, every person who's diagnosed brain dead in the hospital, they're also an atheist. Uh, rock is an atheist. Um, atheism equals even ignorance about God. Uh, just never thought about it before. This is this is a problem, right? But the, the reason for this, and I have a video on this online uh, from a few years back called uh, Babies Are Atheists, and it's about things uh, atheists should never say. <laughs> so I recommend you go look that up. I won't get into too much detail today because I want to cover a lot of claims. But the, the thing he says that at the end is he says, if people would stop creating these impossible, these weird and quote, impossible deities, impossible deities, then we would have to, we wouldn't have to deny them, which is, again, this is just scoffing. It's like, I deny, I deny your gods. Why? Well, if you wouldn't create them, I wouldn't have to deny them. Um, that's kind of weird talk, to be honest. It doesn't mean much of anything in reality, but it stirs up the crowd and it convinces junior high kids. Um, impossible deities. That's a big claim. So God is an impossible 
deity? I, I, I want to hear the case for that. Is it because you think omnipotence is a paradox? I, I have a video on that too online. The omnipotence omnipotence paradox, which is not a paradox. It's just um, um, switching the names, the, the meanings of words in the middle of sentences to try to make it look like there's a paradox. Um, so let's do another one here um, on religious beliefs. This is how uh, Ricky Gervais sees religious beliefs. When it's young, is a sponge. It has to be. It has to take in all the information. It has to trust its parents, its elders to survive. Uh, without question, don't touch the fire. Why not? Don't go near the cloak. Don't go near the wolf. Don't touch that spider with a red belt. Don't touch that. Why not? Just don't. There is a God. What? There is a God. And if you're bad, you go to hell. Okay? And if that's constantly confirmed, like all the other things, wolves eat you, black widows kill you, fires burn you, if it's given that same level of credence and truth, you're never going to get over it. It's going to be a lot harder to undo that. Okay, so this is a great <clears throat> picture of how he thinks you think as a Christian, as a believer in God. Your views of God started as a child. They were believed because of the sheer, sheer authority of parents because your brain was a sponge. And then you continued to believe those things thoughtlessly in the future for no reason. That's that's the implication. And, and, and let's be fair, that's how a lot of atheists see Christians. And so when I, I, as a Christian, say, yeah, no, I, I believe for intelligent reasons. And they're like, <laughs> yeah, sure, Mike, sure you do. You know, you're, and then the mocking and the scoffing is happening in here, even if it's not happening out here. Um, so we believe based on authority. But the truth is, as Christians, like, I mean, I believe everything as a kid based on authority. That's kind of how you start believing things. Um, but we confirm, right? Like, I still, as an adult, think that fire burns me that wolves could eat me, that spiders might bite me and poison me. I still believe that. I still think black widows really are poisonous. Why? Because as an adult, I've confirmed those things. And so I've vetted my my, my beliefs of a, as a youngster. I'm capable of doing this, of thinking carefully about the stuff I, I learned when I was really little, and then deciding whether or not it is something worth carrying forward to my children. Um, in fact, I'm responsible for doing this. So I'm personally conv convinced. I mean, God is confirmed and not because my mom told me that there's a God. Like that's not, it is the foolish version of Christianity, the dumb Christian that atheism continually, pop atheism continually tries to create and tries to draw for us so that they can feel secure in their own position. This is, um, this is how you get fooled. It's not how you come to truth. So the atheist mantra then, We'll come to this in a minute, uh, in about five minutes. But the atheist mantra is that there is no evidence. There is no evidence. There is no evidence. Have you heard that that mantra as an atheist? Have you said that mantra as an atheist? I've got it in my comment sections on my videos. And there is no evidence for God. There's no evidence for God. But then what happens is someone will thoughtfully present some evidence for God, some reason to believe in you know, God, and then they'll just deny that it exists. Rarely will they engage the evidence and engage the argument thoughtfully. And you can see this as well in... Uh, some of those debate videos. Look at the debates between atheists and Christians, intelligent atheists, intelligent believers, and find that the atheist often will ignore the evidence the Christian puts forward and will attack things like um, the Bible's full of atrocities and emotional arguments and mocking and scoffing and stuff. So you may say there's no evidence. There is no evidence. Uh, but 
think about, for instance, Antony Flew. Antony Flew was a very well-known atheist, probably the most famous atheist of the uh, 20th century and who passed away not too long ago. He had done debates. He debated William Lane Craig even. Uh, this guy was, was a well-known, well-published atheist, said there was no God and had all the same kind of reasons you typically hear for that. But when DNA was discovered, and Anthony Flew took some time to think about this and consider it, the micro machines that are inside of the body, he became a theist. He decided that there was a God. That's interesting. Now you're going to, I mean, I could see it in the comment section. It hasn't happened yet, but it will. Like, but he wasn't a Christian. Like, this is true. He was not a Christian. But that's not my point. My point is that here's a guy who actually said, I'm an atheist. I'm a convinced atheist. Saw evidence of microbiology and said, yeah, that's design. There's got to be a creator. There's got to be a creator. But I think that he had been so poisoned with scoffing and mocking against the Bible and God that he was not able to come around to Christianity and consider it clearly because he had spent so much time scoffing at it. So let's talk about Ricky Gervais's views on the origin of religion. I think the myths came up, maybe, you know, often as a stopgap to to knowledge until we find out more, you know, the earth is flat. No, we've proved now. Okay. The earth's not flat. We were wrong. Okay. But that's not personal. You don't take that personally. It doesn't affect you. It doesn't affect your afterlife, you know? And so they often want to hold on to, to that, right? But only because of the way they've been conditioned. We know it's, it's fun to tell children there's a Santa Claus and there's, there's fairies at the bottom of the garden and all these cute things. It's cute till they're seven or eight. If they're th 34, it's a bit embarrassing socially. He is a comedian. <laughs> and that's a great point. You know, it, it, is, it is a bit embarrassing socially if you believe in, in fairies at the age of 34. Um, sorry for that one viewer out there who does believe <laughs> in fairies. But, um, but here's the thing. The comparison of fairies or Santa Claus or this flying spaghetti monster, comparing these things to God and to belief in God assumes atheism is true at the outset. And so by assuming it's true, you can easily paint the other side like they're fools and they're dumb. Like they don't know what they're doing. They're not even thinking about things. But I don't have the reasons for fairies to believe in fairies or Santa that I do for believing in God. It's certainly not just because someone told me. No, I've, I've got good evidential reasons. I have logical, thoughtful, philosophical, and science-based arguments for belief in God. And so um, what would be a better comparison than saying, you know, I don't believe in uh, fairies, so I shouldn't believe in God. It's, it's more like this. It's like, well, look, you know, here I have a, uh, a well-designed set of headphones. Now, these, these things are very, you know, expensive. These are nice headphones. They're for mixing audio. They have like this open back so that it, it, it allows the pure and unfiltered audio sound to come through so you can make sure that things sound proper. And, and I go, wow, those must have been intentionally designed that way. That's called specified complexity. It's got specified complexity in it. So then I, I, I don't, I don't, I've never met the designer. I've never seen them. I've never encountered them, but that's more rational than belief in fairies um, because it's cute. I mean, that's not, we're not believing in God because it's cute. That's just demeaning. I mean, this is how racism works or any other prejudice is I just, I paint the other side with unflattering and inaccurate terms so that I always see them through that lens so that I can never take them seriously. I'm not saying he's racist. I don't think he's, that's, and if you think I'm saying he's racist, then you're not, you're not listening to me, <laughs> but that is how it works. That's, it works in the same way. Prejudice. So.
uh, let's let's look at a really quick short uh, clip where he talks about medi medieval beliefs. And by the way, I'm taking these in context. Uh, this video, it doesn't have the prompts of all the questions. It's a typical interview technique where they don't they don't show what the interview asked. They just show what the guy responded with. So, um, but here's what he says about medieval beliefs. Look at how he paints Christianity um, and belief in God. It's strange that we we hold on to these sort of medieval beliefs. It's strange. It's just, I, you know, I, I'm just trying to be a reasonable guy here. I'm just, I'm puzzled that why, why would you, you people hold on to such obviously outdated beliefs? Um, we hear this a lot, right? We hear that the Bible was written by, can you guys finish this? Bronze Age Farmers. That's what we hear all the time. The Bible was written by, as you said earlier, desert people. Desert people, they're mad because they live in the desert, so they made up the Bible. Like, that, is that really your theory? It doesn't make any sense, nor does it fit the evidence. So are these medieval beliefs? Uh, medieval, as in that time in the Dark Ages where people did crazy stuff and everyone's like, what was going on then? Um, are they medieval in the sense that they result of a lack of knowledge from uninformed, dumb, past humans? Because, I mean, if you really look at history, humans weren't dumb. Uh, they were quite intelligent, but... The truth is that nowadays we have more evidence than ever, which is why there's been a revolution in the, in the realm of philosophy, particularly philosophy of religion. There's been a revival of belief in God for philosophical reasons. Now, if you respect um, professionals in their field, then this should matter to you because philosophy of religion, these are the people who actually are dealing with the arguments for God and they, they are largely in support of God's existence because of these things. Um, scientific support for the universe having a beginning strongly points towards there being a creator who's transcendent and who fits the description of the God we have in the Bible. Uh, DNA, things like that. We have more evidence than ever in addition to what they had back then, which is just the common sense of looking around and believing that creation requires a creator. Um, but the thing is, if you did take the Bible as being written by a bunch of like dumb, you know, backwards sheep herders, like I, I wonder how like actual sheep herders feel when they hear statements like that. <laughs> They're like, um, we have sheep that doesn't make us dumb. But anyway, if you if you think that if the Bible was written by just these really backwards dumb people, then it makes it more impressive that you've got prophecy and you've got a unified message and you have those qualities in it. Unless you're a scoffer, because if you're the scoffer, you never ever see any of those qualities. You only see cherry-picked out-of-context verses that prove to you that the Bible's just atrociously bad, horribly wicked. And when someone responds to you with context and says, well, that's not what it's saying, you laugh at them for it. And you say, ha, 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 you know, they're, look at you dancing, trying to defend. And you're like, um, or trying to explain. And the scoffing, it kills thought. It kills reason. And it doesn't lead us to truth. If that's the one thing you get out of this video, get that. Please, stop with the scoffing. You're not helping yourselves. Um, all right, let's look at the common, uh, modern, uh, atheistic view, pop atheist view of science. Science is the superhero. Science is the most impressive, wonderful, beautiful, awesome thing in the world out there. Even though they're not sure what they mean when they say science, oftentimes this is what he says. I think it's very important you challenge your own beliefs. I mean, I mean, that's what, that's what science does really. It doesn't constantly try and prove itself right. It follows the evidence, whatever that is. In fact, it tries to prove itself wrong. It doesn't sulk. When science thinks something and then it discovers it was wrong, it doesn't sulk because it found that out too. This is it's the question I often get, that people say, well, you're an atheist. 
you know, you're closed-minded. Well, no, I'm not. You know, that, that's a strange thing to say. I think the opposite is true. I'm going to always follow the evidence, whatever that is. And they say things like, if someone proved to you God existed, would you believe? Well, of course I would, by definition. In fact, it would be the greatest scientific discovery of all time. Scientists would celebrate. They'd run round. Scientists would celebrate, right? So here's the thing. Uh, this romanticizes the idea of science. Um, science is now personified because science doesn't try to prove it, or excuse me, it does try to prove itself wrong and it doesn't sulk. It doesn't like, you know, get all sad and down or anything like that. It gets excited about things. Um, science isn't a person. It doesn't do any of those things. Science is a method. It's a particular method of discovering certain kinds of truths, right? The types of truths that can be proved through repeated experimentation, which only a certain number of truths are in that category. And the sooner we realize that, the, the sooner we're, we'll stop acting like sci you know, science is like the superhero that can do everything. Um, but as, as, I, as I keep listening to that clip, I, I start to realize I think he's talking about himself, not science. That's why he starts with science. Science tries to prove itself wrong. It doesn't sulk. It, and then he says, and I quote, I'm going to always follow the evidence, whatever that is. That's what he's, I will always follow the evidence. Um, that's a pretty strong opinion of his ability to follow the evidence. Yeah. Uh, if someone proved to you that God exists, would you believe? And he says, of course I would, by definition. Um, so I think what we'll see though, is that that this is not the case. And in, in this case, I would ask, if, uh, if, if maybe someone could send him this video, like, just consider what I'm saying here. I'm, I'm trying to reason here and take, take the mockery and the scoffing out and just get to the actual facts, right? Are scientists really like this? Um, do scientists hate, you know, or excuse me, love being proved wrong? They, they rejoice in it. Of course not. I mean, scientists are humans. They're not these alternate versions of human beings. They don't like being proven wrong. They like proving other people wrong. They like being the one to discover new things, but they don't want to be the one that you, where you find out that what they said was not accurate or untrue. They're human. They resist change just like most humans do. Um, so this is why the scientific community was so slow to accept the whole idea of, of, uh, of Einstein's, you know, whole theory of relativity and big bang and all the stuff that it was implied there. Because among other things, it implied the universe had a beginning. And the predominant theory of the time in the early 1900s was that the universe had been eternal in the past. Even though that's philosophically problematic, that was the scientific perspective. Now they say, no, it's not it's not past eternal. It can't be. And right now, there many people are scrambling, trying to find a way for the universe to be past eternal. Because if it's not past eternal, then there's probably a God that made it. Um, so there's just really working at it. And I hear two, one of two answers from atheist scientists. And the one of two answers is I have a new, a new gimmick for how the universe can be, you know, not past eternal, but somehow there's no God. So they have like a solution, you know, Stephen Hawking keeps coming out with book after book, refuting his old book. Cause he, anyway, he keeps changing his mind, but he's trying to work towards it. And don't get me wrong. He's a genius. I get that. But genius and right are not the same thing. The other response I hear from atheist scientists is. Stop asking the question, who cares? We don't care what came first. We don't care where, what it came from. And to me, if you're a scientist saying, I don't care about the answer to a question, something's wrong with you. So um, this this treatment of, uh, of science, like it's like, I don't know, it's like, the, it's like Superman. <clears throat> it's not accurate. And it's ultimately people, t atheists talking about themselves and lifting themselves up as though they are kind of without, um, without prejudice, without false judgment. And they're only following the evidence. So th this gets me to the next video, which is about uh, the idea of evidence. Is there really evidence for God? Well, here's Ricky's response, which represents the vast majority of atheists I've encountered and talked with. 
at the moment we have no evidence for the existence of any god or anything supernatural never have possibly never will but who knows none no evidence of any kind that's that's the claim and i've heard it over and over and over again and as i started to ask myself what really is the evidence if any this is my this is moxie by the way she's invited to this live stream what is the evidence for god and i started to dig in to get answers to those questions i was very satisfied with good real answers of evidence for god as in this helps it make more evident that there is a god now, what often atheists will do is they'll elevate their, their, um, their standard for evidence so high that it has to be a piece of evidence that provides 100% total proof without any possible shadow of doubt. But you don't do that with anything else in life. You know, I, I don't do that. If, if you have a standard view of what evidence is, the kind of evidence that convinces you of anything else, then you have lots of evidence for God. Absolutely. Um, but... <laughs> but this is where science comes back in, right? Super science comes in and, and science is a way of only studying certain kinds of things, right? If I can put it in a beaker, I can study it with science. If it's about a physical law, I can study it with science. And so here's uh, Ricky Gervais's idea of how you would test for God using science. And I want you to listen, take the scoffing out, just, just kind of filter that as you hear it. Think about the rationality of this jar of godiness that he wants. problem solved, right? Like you want to prove there's a God, just give me like a jar of his godiness. Like it's, it's right in here and there's the godiness. It's right. It's that stuff right there. <clears throat> uh, this gets to the limits of, of science. Um, okay. How do I explain this? Uh, it, because most people, I think a lot of people will just instantly understand the problem with this, but for some, it, it'll be actually really hard because of the scoffing. They can't understand this concept. If you want to find evidence for a non-material creator, what kind of evidence do you look for? Do you look for matter? If God is not made up of matter, how on earth could I find a jar of God stuff? And if I found a jar of something that's matter, well, that'll be part of this creation, this universe. So it would not be God. It, it's the wrong kind of evidence to look for. So here's an analogy. Let's say that I wanted to prove to you there's an invisible person. And you said the standard for me proving this invisible person to be real was giving you a photograph of them. Then you will never believe in the invisible person because your standard doesn't fit the type of evidence you look for to prove in this, this person exists. Now, if I showed you footprints, video of footprints appearing out of nowhere, if I showed you, you know, I don't know, evidence of them jumping into the water and swimming, you know, if I showed you different, but you said, nah, I only accept photographic evidence of the person then you're just shooting yourself in the foot. You're never going to learn about these things. So what do we look for if we want to find evidence for God? I look for evidence. Like I, I'm asking this sincerely. If I want to know that there's a God, what do I look for? I look for evidence that there's things that happen in the universe as a result of an intelligence outside of the universe, or I should say not part of the universe. That's what I would look for. I would say, okay, I'm just trying to look for things that, that can only be explained by something that's not part of this creation. 
So prophecy is one of those things, right? Uh, that telling you the future, that's a great piece of evidence. Um, intelligent design of the things that are in this world. That's another piece of evidence. Impos the impossibility of things happening without there being an outside creator, like um, the very existence of the universe itself, time, matter, space, and energy coming into existence all of a sudden. Um, that would have to be caused by something that's timeless, spaceless, uh, Im impossibly powerful, um, you know, intensely powerful and, um, and intentional so that there'd be a person doing it. Um, anyway, these are, these are things you look at to point towards God, just like you wouldn't, you wouldn't look for a photo of the invisible boy. You look for like the outline of him in the water or something like that is going to give you the outline. So there's a response then in one of his videos, um, where he's talking to Richard Dawkins and the two of them are just are having a conversation in a church because it adds to the scoff quality. <laughs> there's, they love nothing more than scoffing. Um, <clears throat> it is their alpha and omega. Um, so th this is where they respond to the intelligent design argument. The intelligent design argument would say at least, well, it, it, okay, it's actually, I actually rarely hear any atheist respond to the intelligent design argument. They usually misrepresent it, but the idea is that there's specified complexity in the, in the universe, but this is a specifically a response to the idea that life is so astronomically improbable that we believe that it was intentional. That's the basic claim. And so we just happen to be, you know, on an earth orbiting star that fits all the right descriptions and the odds of us being able to exist and live and breathe are so astronomically against us that, um, that we believe there was an intent behind it, a creator. So here's how they respond. It's the puddle story. And they got it from a, a British comedian, uh, Douglas Adams, who wrote a really funny book series. I read when I was a kid, um, the, uh, the five book trilogy, <laughs> which they made a really lame movie out of not too long after that. Anyway, here's the analogy. There's a wonderful thing about Douglas Adams that, um, that goes against the intelligent design theory. It's, it's a puddle. Oh, the puddle, yes. It's great, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Well, you tell the story. I mean, I'm... I'm well, it's, it's, it's just that the, um, yeah, a puddle is pondering and it says, I must have been designed because I, I fit, fit, so this, well fit, I fit this hole yes. perfectly. Yes. Which right. is just beautiful. What a yes. beautiful metaphor. Yes for trying to explain evolution and everything. Um. All right, so what, what I've heard here is, um, now I've heard this before. I've heard this puddle thing in the comment section of my videos, in conversations with atheists, that this has become popular. And we may bring it up again in a, in a future live stream, there's another video I wanna deal with. But <clears throat> the idea is that, you know, if you have a hole in the ground and you pour water, the puddle will fit that shape no matter what. Then the puddle might think, wow, look at the unique shape I'm in. And they go, see, life will win out. You know, life will somehow find a way. This is this is great stuff for sci-fi, right? Life will find a way. It's really good for like X-Men cartoons and things like that. Um, but it doesn't fit the actual biology, which is odd to hear Richard Dawkins on the other side of it supporting this. Um, here's the question. If the puddle itself, the water, represents life, and then the hole in the ground represents the universe being in the particular shape, the, the laws of physics, gravity, you know, strong and weak nuclear force and things like that. Um, the earth, uh, the improbability of our planet itself, needing things like Jupiter to, to be, be like a cosmic vacuum, you know, th things like this that all have to be in place, you know, the right atmosphere, the right amount of water, the existence of carbon, these things all have to be there. If that's represented by a random puddle shape, then, then that's inaccurate because life can't take on any form and find a way to exist just anywhere. If there was no planets 
because of the law of gravity being slightly different, then there would be no life. There wouldn't be little like intelligent beings floating through space, finding a way that doesn't happen. And it's interesting. I watched a discussion between Richard Dawkins and Neil Tyson, Neil deGrasse, or I, I forget how to pronounce his name. Um, anyway, Neil Tyson, <clears throat> the famous physicist, and they were discussing this and Neil was like, it's so, it's so much hubris. Neil likes to talk about hubris. He's an atheist as well. And he, and he, well, he, anyway, he's an atheist. He's an agnostic atheist, whatever that means. And he says, it is um, such hubris that mankind, you know, in these movies and, you know, Star Trek, they always make humans look, you know, or make aliens look humanoid. They make us all look humanoid. And that's, that's the hubris of man. And I like how Richard Dawkins chimed in and he said, he said, well, actually, if evolution had to start over, it would have to take the same path again, because that's just the way things are in this universe. Like if life is going to exist, it pretty much has to exist like this. You can't just have life that's based on something other than carbon. It's not really going to work, you know? Um, so the puddle analogy falls apart because life is not like water that can fit any shape. Life has to have very special and improbable features in order for it to exist. So the puddle analogy is deceptive um, in all reality, but you'll hear it again. Um, so let's look at um, this video on death because I'm going to defend atheists here for a second. And I think that it will help you as a Christian. If you're the believer watching this, it'll help you understand them a little bit better. I get asked questions like, you know, well, what do you think it feels like when you're dead? And I always say, well, what did it feel like for the billions of years before you were born? Like that. So the, the idea here is this, it's like a lot of Christians are like, man, aren't you afraid to die as an atheist? Um, I mean, there's a certain fear of death probably that they have, but not like you're thinking, they're not afraid of judgment. If you're, I mean, if you're truly a convinced atheist, if you are, you know, that far down the rabbit hole, so to speak, you're totally convinced of it. You're not afraid of death. Death would be like going to sleep, you know? I mean, it might hurt when it happens, but you're just, you just, in your opinion, there's no consciousness. It's not like you're conscious in darkness forever. You're just, there's nothing. I think that it helps us as, as Christians just to recognize that that's the mindset and mentality of an atheist. So when he talks about being afraid of dying and stuff like that, it, it's not, unless their consciousness is somehow by the Holy Spirit aware of the fact that there really is judgment coming, you know, and God's working on their hearts in that way. Uh, if there really are truly um, darkened like that, they're not going to be impressed by issues of death, questions about death. I think though it's revealing <clears throat> that most atheists I talk to when I have talked to them about death, they actually like the idea that one day they'll die and just stop existing. I think that's very revealing. Um, they prefer it that way. And I think that has to do with a somehow, you know, I, I'm guessing here, but maybe some awareness that the alternative is bad news for me. You know, I've spent my life denying God or maybe speaking against him. So if I died and found out he was, I wouldn't be happy about eternal life. So most atheists I meet will, they'll, they'll lift up life and they'll talk about how great life is, but then they'll talk about how terrible eternal life would be. And to me, I think, you know, you are, um, uh, thou doth protest too much. <laughs> he thinks thou dost protest too much. Uh, of course, eternal life would be fantastic uh, to, to come against it and then say that life is great is confusing to me. Life is great, but I don't want more of it. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. Um, all right, so let's look at the next one, which is uh, Ricky Gervais. He he gets asked the question, or to himself, he asks the question, why don't you believe in God? And then he answers it. So he fed himself the question. So why does he answer it so weirdly? 
And there's also this strange thing that I get from um, faithful people. Um, why don't you believe in God? Well, that's a very strange question. Why don't you believe in God? You came up with it. What? Like, I didn't come up... <clears throat> Look, you fed the question to yourself. You answered it with, you came up with it. The, the whole idea is, this assumes, again, this assumes atheism is true to say, therefore, I don't believe in God. Because if you did just come up with it, well, but that's not even true. Like, belief in God goes back as far as we can go back in time. As far as humans have gone, as far as we know, there's always been belief in God. Um, and it's, it's sort of a natural state, you know, even without being educated about God, the... The evidence is that humans will will not reinvent the wheel. They will rediscover the truth that there is a God if they're just not indoctrinated otherwise. Um, that seems to be the evidence. So <clears throat> kind of a strange, uh, I don't know, a strange thing. But uh, they're meant to be one-liners. He's trying to find a way of, of scoffing his way around the question. So now we're going to get to, uh, there's only a couple more. I'll, actually, I want to show you guys. And then I'll <clears throat> take your guys' questions. If you have questions, put them in the comments section. And then uh, I will have um, uh, AJ send them to me on my phone where I can read your questions and answer them right here as part of the live stream. But that only is on YouTube, again, for those who are uh, watching on Facebook. So here is a quote or a, a clip from him where he's going to talk about how everyone's an atheist. And I, I'll be honest, I'm so tired of hearing this. This is, it's such just silly. It's silly. It's philosophically silly, but I want you to hear it so we can talk about it today because you will hear it again a thousand more times before you die. You know, and this thing about um, not believing in God, there are, there are 2,780 odd gods. And so if you're a Christian, you believe in one of them and you don't believe in all the others. He said this in multiple different interviews. I, I, I tried to find a better clip of it, but <clears throat> this is the one I was able to find. As a Christian, you want me to say, you know, why why don't I believe in God? But you don't believe in, he always comes up with a number near 3,000, like 2,724 gods, and I just believe in one less than you. So basically, you're like an atheist, Christian. You're an atheist. Um, this is a comment I got, I'm not kidding, when I put this video up on Facebook, my, 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 my friend, atheist, <laughs> Doug, he put this comment on my Facebook page. He says, it's nice to see Mike, a fellow atheist, in Zeus, Vishnu, Ganesh, Poseidon, Hermes, Apollo, Odin, etc., talk about atheism. This was in response to me doing this particular video today. So I told Doug I was going to put it up on the live stream. Um, how do I explain that claiming I'm an atheist most of the time, and I just you know should believe in one less God, that this is not powerful to me, that this is not rational or reasonable. It's pure scoffing. It's pure mockery. It's pure rhetorical manipulation. Uh, how about like this? Let me, let me try this. Let's say that uh, my buddy comes up and, and I tell him, you have a mom? And he says, yes. And I said, I don't think you have a mom. And he says, what do you mean? You don't think I have a mom? I said, I'm a mom theist, or an athe mom, whatever you want to call it. I'm an athe mom. And he, he says, that's ridiculous. Of course I have a mom. I mean, I, I have a birth certificate. I, she's told me she raised me. That's my mom. Look, I even look like her. Nah, there's no evidence. There's no evidence at all that you have a mom. None whatsoever. You did, can you repeat it? Can you go back and prove that she's your mom by doing it all over again and having her give birth to you? No, you can't. So it's not scientific. And then I say to him, but you, you don't really think she's your mom either do you and he says of course i do that's my mom and i say ah but 
but there's like billions of women around the world. And you don't believe that any of those women are your mom, right? I, I just believe in one less mom than you. Wow. Mind blown, right? Now I don't believe in my mom. If scoffing and mockery is the standard for how we come to believe things, we will come to believe the most convenient, self-exalting, and, and basically sinful liberty-giving stuff that we can. Because that's, that's what scoffing does. Scoffing gets me to my intended goals, um, unfortunately. It doesn't get us to truth. I'm not an atheist because I believe in one less, you, or you believe in one less God. I'm not close to being an atheist. I'm the opposite of an atheist. I'm a theist because I believe in God. Should I believe in Vishnu? No, that would be a opposing claim to the existence of the God of the Bible or of any of the evidence I have. In fact, I, another one of the claims I get out there is uh, <clears throat> this idea that, uh, you know, tell me why you don't believe in Zeus and I'll tell you why I don't believe in your God. Okay, but like slow down with the scoffing for a second, you realize that the evidence for Zeus isn't even related to the evidence for the existence of an all-powerful, almighty creator God. These aren't even two, these aren't even similar beings. The evidence doesn't parallel. So the reasons I don't believe in Zeus don't relate to the reasons I don't believe in God. The reasons I believe in God don't give me reasons to believe in Zeus, but that's far too rational uh, for these discussions, unfortunately. All right, so one more clip, and then I'm gonna go to your guys' questions. Um, what I want you to see from this final clip is how <clears throat> this is from the Col Colbert uh, report or Colbert show. I, I haven't, I'm sorry, I, I don't know the name of the show, but uh, Ricky Gervais is being interviewed by Stephen Colbert, I believe. Anyway, this guy asks him, honest, a deep philosophical question, why is there something rather than nothing? This is, a, this is one of the reasons why I believe in God. The existence of something rather than nothing implies a creator of those things. And, um, and anyway, look at how he will not answer the question and he'll dodge and move over to scoffing instead of answering. Hold on, this video is... Would you want to debate there this is. as a sure. side? Okay, yeah. so uh, Ricky Gervais, is, is, why is there something instead of nothing? Uh, that's, that's, that makes no sense you at have all. To that's, that's, question. that's not the two choices. No, that's the two choices I'm giving you, I'm the host. Well, I don't... <laughs> You, uh, you want to concede the debate? Why is there something this, instead this, of nothing? Hold on. Yes. What do you mean out of nothing? What do you, do you Why is there something instead of why is there nothing? Why, why does the universe exist at all? Why but, is there something? But surely the big question is not why, but how? Well, why is irrelevant? Okay, it? fine. How, how is there something? Because you think of God as the prime mover. How is there anything? Well, well, I don't. I don't. This is this is a, a ridiculous. Is there a prime mover? If, if is you, there a, is if, there a demiurge that started everything? Well, outside science and nature, I don't believe so. Because the interesting thing is, this is the thing, right? So. I'm an agnostic atheist, technically. Agnostics, I mean, it means no one knows whether there's a God. So everyone's technically agnostic. We don't know. That's true, so that's true. an agnostic atheist is someone who doesn't know there's a God or not, as no one does. So you're not convicted of your atheism. Well, I am. Sure. No, I am, because atheism is only rejecting the claim that there is a God. Atheism isn't a belief system. Mm -hmm. Atheism, so this is, this is atheism in a nutshell. You say, um, uh, there's a God. I say, can you prove that? You say, no. I say, I don't believe you then. Mm -hmm. Okay, so he did not answer the question. Uh, he he <clears throat> changed the subject. He moved into territory he's comfortable with. Like, I'm just rejecting a claim. And then he smiles because he's like, ha ha, gotcha. <laughs> you know? um, so it's, the issue is it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter why we should believe that, you know, there's something rather than nothing. How did that happen? Will not answer the question. Will not deal with the question. I mean, that has got to be one of the most profound questions in all of reality. But if you want to be a consistent atheist, it's hard to deal with that question. So you, you he just dodges it. Um, 
let me see. There's 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 more that we could cover. I what I wanted to do today, and I hope this is effective, is expose that scoffing, not logic, is the foundation of pop atheism. And that we, if we can get people to stop scoffing and mocking, then we can get them to think carefully about the issues and perhaps create more belief in God. I mean, it, it is intelligent to believe in God. It, believe in God is reasonable. It's rational. It's the best explanation for the evidence we have. And um, and so my encouragement would be, Christian, if you're out there sharing with atheists, don't get into a scoffing match. They'll win. They're better at it than you. And it means more to them than you. Their, their, their beliefs depend on it. So just speak truth, dodge scoffing, try to just be rational and be consistent in that. And hopefully you can bring them over from the dark side <laughs> to the light. Uh, so I'm going to go to your guys' questions right now. <clears throat> um, from Ryan White, it's, uh, Mike, most atheists have a vehement hatred for religion. What's interesting is when you look at it, they were all religious at one point. You can't hate something you don't believe in. It's almost as if they were hurt and have a grudge. Uh, agnostics don't do that. Any thoughts? I have a couple thoughts on that. Um, there are some atheists that are actually angry at God and it comes out in their content. Others, they're not, I'm just being honest here. I don't think they're angry at God, uh, at least not in their knowledge. They're not, if there are, they're not aware of it. And I, I wouldn't try to convince them of it. They're angry at, at the, the pillars that they feel are wrongly influencing either their life or the lives of those around them. They're angry about being told what to do or being, um, I mean, you can name it like, right. You could, you could string together every religious horrific thing that's happened in the past and make that the reason why you're angry. And you would be like, yeah, man, well that terrible thing happened in the name of religion. So you're mad. So personally, I don't go, I don't attack why people are angry. Uh, that's why this video today is about the method they have for discovering truth or convincing others of truth, being scoffing and ridicule instead of logic and reason. Um, and so th that'd be my thought. If I'm, Sorry if I rambled a bit there. Some of them, yes, you're describing accurately. Others, I think it's a little different. Um, from Hunter Bailey, it says, Mike, I do wonder when you encounter somebody who is like uh, like this person, like Ricky, uh, how do you recommend responding taking or taking back the conversation? Um, man, I, I pray for wisdom and I seek the Lord on, on those issues and I'll be like in the middle of it praying. The first rule I have is to not compromise my own character. Um, another thing is to just listen, actually. So I often repeat back what I hear. So if he said, you just believe in one less God, and I'll, I might just repeat it back. Like, so you, you think that, that that's a good reason to be an atheist is because there's only one God belief difference between us is like, help me understand how that makes me an atheist. So what I would do is I just try to get him to slow down and break it down. And I don't know if this is the best tactic or not. I'm just telling you what I would do so get them to slow down and get them to piecemeal out the logic of their, of their thinking because there's problems with that logic. So if I can get them to reflect on it thoughtfully, then that would be good. Questions are fantastic for that. Uh, the biggest issue here, and this goes with every time you're discussing religion, the Bible with whether it's a cult group, an atheist, even another believer, is to get them to not change the subject. If they brought up the, I believe in one less God, then let that be the conversation. Let's talk about that concept. How does that influence me? Why should I care that you believe in one less God? Um, uh, how does this relate to the evidential case for God's existence or something like that? So yeah, just control that it doesn't change subjects. You'll notice he does that a lot. He'll, Ricky will just get onto a mantra where he repeats like in his pocket, he's got all these scoffings and he's like, scoff, scoff, scoff. And he throws all the scoffings down and that's the end of the conversation for him. I doubt he ever has thorough conversations on any of the things he's, he throws down. So I'd pick one and go after it. 
Um, I have a question from Ray is awesome. It says, why can't Christians understand that we no longer recognize Mosaic law? They pick and choose what they like, but throw out the rest they don't like. I mean, well, you know, some Christians probably do that. Other ones don't. Um, I think for a lot of believers, they don't know what to do with the law. Uh, one of the first videos I started putting up when I started doing regular YouTube videos was a two-part series called How to Understand the Old Testament Law. <laughs> so I recommend it to anybody who's interested, wants to think about those things. Um, for an untaught believer, they just, I think some of them, my heart goes out to them because they're, they're untaught. They haven't really studied the Bible carefully. They don't know the flow of the scripture or how Christ fulfilled the law or what the law's place is for believers, because this requires understanding large portions of the Bible that they haven't really read. And so I, I think that they default to just kind of guessing, just guessing here and there, just, uh, take this, don't take that. And that's unfortunate because that's that's a reckless way to do things and it can lead to error. Um, from Nick Yoakum, <clears throat> the question is, Mike, from a philosophical perspective, do you think it takes more faith to be an atheist rather than a believer? Um, we have different kinds of faith, atheists and believers, right? Because my faith is not just in certain beliefs, but also my faith is in God as a person. I believe in him. So I don't just believe he exists, I believe in him. Right. Like, like I believe that, um, uh, I'm trying to think of any, any famous person I could think of. I believe Justin Bieber exists, but I don't believe in Justin Bieber. Right. So that's, those are different kinds of faith. So as a Christian, does it take a lot of faith to believe that God exists? Um, not, no, not exactly. <laughs> uh, does it take a lot of faith as an atheist to believe he doesn't exist? It, you have to sort of have a lot of faith that somehow will explain these unanswered questions apart from God. And that, that's where you'll find the faith steps in is when you go, well, how do you explain this? And they go, science will find a way, you know, science will figure it out one day. And then science is personified. And yeah, who has more faith? I, okay. If, oh, I, you know what? Maybe you're coming from this perspective. If you take faith as being lack of evidence, ah, okay, well then the atheist has to have more faith because they're against the evidence, whereas the Christian is for the evidence. Um, that's my opinion. But but I don't think faith is lack of evidence. I think faith is just conviction of belief. So in that sense, it doesn't require more. Anyway, I, that's an interesting discussion. It more comes down to what do you think faith really is. Um, faith is not lack of evidence. Uh, that That's a modern scoffing <laughs> thrown upon faith. Okay, I have a question here from Kate the Great. How do you respond when atheists call you stupid for believing in God and calling him sky daddy? Um, oftentimes if I have an atheist who tells me I believe something I don't believe, I just tell them, well, I don't believe that. Um, I, I never respond, you know, irritated or angry. I try to never do that. But if they said, Mike, well, I don't believe in some sky fairy, some sky daddy. And I'll go, I don't believe that either. Why do you think I believe that? What do you think Christians believe about God? And I put the onus on them since they're going to tell me what I believe to, to tell me. What do you think it is that I'm believing? Um, I get this a lot and, and he might be watching. Eventually he'll watch this. Probably Doug, the, Doug, the atheist did this continually in my discussions with him as he would misrepresent my position. It was like talking to Kathy Newman and, <laughs> uh, I'm going to hear something about that. I'm sure. Um, so I, I, I challenge them on it. I never let an atheist tell me what I believe. If they're inaccurate, I always ask them, why do you think I believe that? Like, there's no big God in the sky, some old man in the sky. I'd be like, I agree. How does that have anything to do with my actual beliefs? So don't, don't become the straw man that they're trying to create you into. Uh, Ray is awesome. Has a question. It says, 
Okay, how do we as Christians not get painted or framed into ignorant when debating atheists? For some reason, Christians are prejudged as stupid. How do we beat this presupposition? <clears throat> the best way to beat it, in my opinion, I'll give you at least one tip, is stick to what you know. Never pretend to know something you don't know. Never mention something in, in, a, in, a, in a very tough conversation between you and a non-believer who's challenging you. Don't be like, I heard this once in a video, I'm just going to repeat it now. Make sure that you've you know like vetted those things a little bit first. It's okay to say, I don't know about that. So in other words, being honest about your own ignorance will keep you from being painted as ignorant because it's when someone catches you overstepping your own knowledge that you get in trouble. Um, I, I spend lots and lots of time studying. I'm able to pull from that a lot of information and facts and, and ideas. Most people don't have that much time. So I would not expect them to do the same as me. I would say stick to what you know and, um, and then you will always be an informed person about the things you speak to. Um, all right, it says here, this is, I believe, from AJ. Um, agnostic, agnostic atheism is ridiculous. He says, you, you cannot both, this is a comment from AJ. He monitors our, uh, our comment section, so, uh, so he gets special privileges. <clears throat> agnostic atheism is ridiculous. You cannot both allow for the possibility of a thing and also deny the thing exists. If by atheism you mean only someone who lacks belief in God, then atheism is a claim of only about the atheist, not about the objective reality. This, this is a profound point maybe, I don't know, I became aware of it maybe 10 years ago, but it's been going on longer than that. There's a redefinition of the terms agnostic and atheist, but it's just a chess move to try to create a impervious atheism. Try to create an atheism that can't be attacked. I'll redefine it as something that, that you can't defeat. Atheism's wrong. What do you mean? What's wrong? I lack belief in God. That's not wrong. That's true. I do. So do you, do you see that? It's not a claim about reality is AJ's point. That's a claim about you. Um, but atheism is, of course, the position that God does not exist. Um, interesting how Ricky earlier, he said that everyone's agnostic because nobody knows. And Steve Colbert agreed. And I thought, that's silly because, like, I know that I'm doing a live stream right now. Now, do I know it? Like, 100%? It, it, could I be delusional? I could have accidentally had, like, bad yogurt this morning and I'm just I'm just totally deluded right now. Nothing's really on the screens in my computer and the, the power's out in my house and I'm just sitting here delusional. Not sure, that's a possibility. But I know, I know I'm doing a live stream and so do you. In the same sense, I know there's a God. Um, so yeah, we, we do know things. We're not agnostic in that sense. Um, so question from Jesse Swanger. It says, what is a good response to why doesn't God just reveal himself to everyone like he did with say Moses or Paul? From Moses or Paul. Why doesn't God reveal himself to everyone? Um, I believe God has revealed himself to everyone. Now, the question is like Moses or Paul. So Moses would have probably already believed in God when God came to him in the burning bush, right? Um, Paul already believed in God, didn't, didn't understand who Jesus was, that Jesus was Lord, was ignorantly persecuting the church and Jesus appeared to him. I, but this is, this is now a question about why God doesn't a, B, C, D, you know, this thing that to me seems like it would really help people. I don't know the answer to that question. Um, I'm afraid that me trying to answer, especially off the cuff, will come out with really weak sauce answers that will not do justice to the question. But I, I'll say this, that I do believe God has revealed himself. I think creation screams that there's a God. And I mean, I'm convinced by it. Most humans would agree that creation declares the glory of God. It's the minority of people that don't agree with that and think that that's not the case. So I think God has revealed himself. 
um, in, in, in conscience and creation enough that men are accountable for those things. So then, uh, <clears throat> I got a, a, a hit up from, uh, Sentinel apologetics. Uh, it's a, it's Rob. He says he's in Hawaii watching. That's nice, man. In Hawaii. Well, I wonder what time it is over there. Um, yep. Good to see you. That's, uh, another one of my YouTube buddies that I've met through this, uh, awesome platform, YouTube. I'm so glad I get to do this. I'm so glad you guys get to be part of this live stream and we get to take this content and just have a conversation about it. So don't forget the takeaway today. Scoffing is not how you find truth. It's how you convince junior hires of silly things so that they can get liberties and get their, their basically appeal to their carnal nature and sinful desires. That's how, that's how you, how you do it. You scoff and you mock and you ridicule. It works well when you don't want logic and you don't want reasoning and you don't want to actually get the truth. So not every atheist does this, but probably the majority of the ones I encounter do. And I think it, and they will perceive this as a personal attack. It's not, this is not a personal attack. You're just dangerously and, and foolishly wrong. Now, if you think that's a personal attack, then you can just scoff at me <laughs> and dismiss everything I say and not think about any of the logic or reasons I've given. Um, but that'll be to your own pain, I think. So, <clears throat> um, yeah, that'll, that'll do, uh, next week I will, I do plan on doing a live stream, but I have not yet figured out what it, what it will be on. Uh, we're, we're, we got our youth camp coming up this week and stuff, a bunch of things coming up. So I'll, we'll, we'll see. Um, I'll try to post on my Facebook page, a little bit, a notification of what I'll be covering that day. And, um, and I want to give a quick, uh, a real quick, um, announcement. It's something I'm, I'm kind of excited about. I actually have a website now that you guys can check out and it's biblethinker.org. It's not complete, um, but it has like over 150 videos on there that are categorized. You can actually use the search bar to find what you want. They're organized by series and organized by topic, and it's all free. You can actually download the videos if you want with the click of a button. You can download my notes. If I have notes for that study or that message, I, I made them available. If I did a PowerPoint, you could download that all for free and you can use it even in your own teaching and sharing. I just want it to be as accessible and useful as possible. So it's biblethinker.org, just one word biblethinker.org. Yeah, there's the link in the chat. Thanks, AJ. Uh, so yeah, you guys can check it out. And it, on mobile, especially, it's got some glitches, but I'm working with the the people I that are helping me make those site to try to fix those glitches. But it, it won't stop you from getting to the stuff. It'll just make it clumsy along the way. So which is pretty much the theme of my ministry. <laughs> Get you the stuff clumsy along the way. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys so much. Great to have you here. We've got like 63 people right now on the, on the live stream on YouTube. I'll check the Facebook one a little bit later. I, I I'm just so stoked that we get to have this, this free platform and I hope it continues. I hope the freedom that we have online just continues. So uh, God bless you guys. Have a great day or night.